You're listening to Metaphoric Metamorphic. I'm your host, Skylar Galloway. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode. Today is Monday, which means we have a brand new episode every single Monday of the Metaphoric Metamorphic podcast. Um, I'm your host, Skylar Galloway, and today... Um, We have a little bit of a different episode. I have been doing a lot of guest episodes recently, um, but today I wanted to go ahead and um, explain very briefly my stalking story because I've had a lot of questions around it. And even though there was a lot of media coverage locally where I live in Arkansas over this, and um, I wrote a book about it, and I shared that all over my socials, Um, There are still people who are even local who have no idea that it even happened. And I honestly don't even know how. They don't know because it was literally all over the place. Every Every single news station locally, every single, you know, like paper locally. Um, But... Some people just aren't on social media very much, and that's okay, but I wanted to go ahead and do a very brief explanation on um, that story, because I feel like when you have a backstory about a person, uh, you understand them a lot better, and um, my childhood is something that I would also like to talk about in future episodes, but it's still not something that I'm 100% comfortable sharing just yet, Um, but this story I have shared anyway already so I'm going to go ahead and do a very brief share on that and when I when I say very brief I'm I'm not going to share the entire thing because honestly that's impossible because I went through three and a half years of terroristic stalking by someone who was anonymous who I later figured out on my own without police help who it was and so it would be completely impossible for me to share every single detail about what happened I do share a lot more about what happened and the things that I went through, the emotions that I experienced, thoughts that I had, my bad, bad mental health state around this because of this in my book that I wrote on Amazon. Um, So if that is something that you want to see, like obviously um, I would really appreciate the financial support if you did want to purchase the book, but... Um, it's not something that I am just really trying to like sell, sell, sell. Of course, if you want to buy it, cool. If not, then just listen to this episode and you'll probably get out whatever you need to get out of it. So without further ado, I wanted to go ahead and let you know that I do have my baby here. She's one. She's beside me. We're in the car waiting for my, uh, my oldest two to get out of the dentist. So, um, she is playing with a straw in a cup and, moving around so hopefully you won't be able to hear a bunch of background noise but um, I want to go ahead and get into it but before we get into all of the details about what happened I feel like it's very important in every episode to talk about trigger warnings so sorry about the background noise Harley loves to play with the windshield wipers so um, trigger warning for this episode I'm going to be talking about things such as depression, anxiety, stalking, um, violence, sexual stuff, PTSD that I got from it, and suicidal thoughts and um, all that stuff related to someone who is suicidal. So if you are sensitive to any of those topics, then this episode may not be one that is for you. 
All right, so um, I have talked about my story, like I said, all over my socials. I'm a huge advocate for stalking, for mental health, for uh, women and the support that women get or lack of support from police that women get. And um, I, I have already done several podcast episodes with other people on their podcasts, like I was a guest on their podcasts. So if you wanted to listen to a different viewpoint or me being interviewed by someone else where they had some pretty interesting questions regarding this and not just the story, just to like further your, um, I guess, education around what happened, then you can go to my link tree, which I will include a link to my link tree below. And you can click on, there's a Strictly Stalking episode, there's a Crimeaholics episode, and there's also an episode on the Unlovely Truth podcast. So if you did want to listen to more, then you could click on any of those, um, and I'll put that in the show notes. Okay, so where do I start with this story? Where do I actually begin? That's a really hard one to figure out. Because I could begin where everything started happening or I could begin at the very, very beginning before anything started happening. And I think that's where I'm going to start today because <clears throat> that's ultimately, um, that's an important part of the story. So, um, from 2014 to 2016, I worked at a locally owned gas station in a very small town in Arkansas, about 20 minutes from where I graduated high school. And <clears throat> I, let me give you a little bit of a backstory. So I was in my early 20s. My husband and I had gotten married a couple years prior, a year or two. And um, we didn't have any kids yet. I was going to the community college there to get my associate's degree. And we lived in a little apartment complex across the street from the gas station that I worked at. And so I had worked there, like I said, it was almost two years. It was a year and a half. I had gotten really close to their family. Excuse me, I'm going to have to get a drink every once in a while. I had gotten really close to their family. I felt like family there. I I adored them. It was like the best job that I had ever had up until this point. Because I felt like people cared about me. I made friends with all of my coworkers. I confided in them about things. Um, they knew a lot about my life, about the struggles that I was going through with my mom and my childhood and um, just anything that I was going through. And I really cherished that because my best friends were my coworkers. So, um, we had our first child in August of 2015. And then in February of 2016, we had decided that we were going to move back to uh, around the place where I had graduated high school because we had more family in that area. And uh, more support and the daycare that I wanted her, my daughter, to go to was in that area. So it wouldn't be such a far drive um, because I had to get up and go to work at like 4.30 in the morning. And it was just much better if um, we moved and wound up switching jobs and <clears throat> things. We needed a change. We, had, we were in a different season. We needed a change. So anyway, <clears throat> we moved. I quit my job. He quit his job. When I say he, I mean my husband, Chris. He quit his job. We moved to um, a different town. The town that was nearer to where we were moving was a little bit bigger. 
and it had, you know, what we thought would be like more better opportunities uh, for jobs and I liked their like Walmart and things better just because it was a little bit bigger and a little bit nicer. So that's where we were at. Um, and of course that was February of 2016. Well, in March, the email started. So April, I think it was April before I even noticed them because it was only like two in my inbox. And, um, I was looking through this email. This email was, uh, one of those that, you know, I had used for years and it had like a bunch of subscriptions that I wasn't interested in anymore and just a bunch of just stuff. It was just cluttered. I was going through it one day trying to unclutter things, trying to unsubscribe from things that I was no longer interested in and I saw a couple of emails. Um, I, and it has been years since this happened. Like I said, this was in 2016 so I don't remember specifics about what exactly the first few emails said. But the gist of it is they were catcalling, um, complimenting my looks and commenting on, you know, um, how much they liked the way I looked and what they would like to do to me. And like I said, um, this episode, this, this content is pretty explicit. There's going to be some cussing, there's going to be some sexual stuff so if you don't want to listen to that click off um because there's no way around it excuse me but um the basics are you know it was catcalling and so I had replied to the email I was a little freaked out because I thought uh, okay well who got this email who is this this is anonymous there's no name on this um how do they get this email uh you know, this is my personal email and what do they want with me? I thought, my first thought was like, it must be a scammer. It must be somebody just trying to get me to like, um, you know, purchase something or hack or, um, you know, some kind of like weird porn site or something like that. That was like my first thought, but I was very wrong. I replied and said, who is this? And like I said, warning, cussing here, but I'm not going to leave it out because it's important to the story. Um, so when I said, who is this? Their response, I remember this, their response was someone who thinks you're really fucking hot. And I was like, taken back. I was like, what? Like, if this was a hacker or this was a scammer or somebody that, like, this, is, it, this isn't a bot. This is someone that's real. Um... So, you know, that immediate response with something specific made me realize that it was a real person with intentions that were darker than I even realized. And so I replied again. This was all, I believe, in the same day or like one day apart uh, within 24 hours. I replied again and said, I'm calling the police. And of course, their reply was apologetic. They didn't want to get the police involved. Um... And I don't know that I even called the police at this point because I thought, you know, surely like this is a joke or this is not going to go any farther. Like I'm going to threaten to call the police and then it's going to stop. It's going to go away. So I didn't call the police. Um, I just tried to forget about it and ignored it and hoped that it would go away. 
But um, shortly, you know, a, a short amount of time passed and I started getting more emails. And this, like I said, this is a very, very, very brief story. Um, my story, my actual story with all of the specifics that I can think of, which honestly, all of the specifics are impossible because this went on over for three and a half years. And so all of the specifics are impossible to talk about. But if you are, if you're wanting a full version of all of the emotions that I experienced, the book would be uh, much better. But I've got to be brief here because it would take me like three days to even explain everything. So this is a very brief part of the story. Or version of the story, I should say. Anyway, so over time, um, the emails started getting worse and worse. They started getting more frequent and uh, more specific. So this was 2016. Moving on to 2017, I had gotten pregnant like March or... Uh, no, I think it was... No, it was May. May of 2016, I found out that I was pregnant with my second child, um, our son. We had him in January of 2017. And so um, I was working at a bank. I was working eight to five, didn't enjoy it, wanted to be able to stay home. So I started doing LuLaRoe clothing. I became a fashion consultant with LuLaRoe. So um, I don't know if you've seen all of the controversy around LuLaRoe uh, lately, but during this time in 2017, of course, this was years ago. LuLaRoe was my saving grace. Um, I was able to make a full, full-time income from them. I had a lot of friends that I made over this business. And a lot of people came into my life that I wouldn't have had. If I had not done LuLaRoe, I was able to stay home. It was all, just honestly an awesome, awesome experience. So um, I want to say I didn't get very many, if any at all, emails for like the whole year of 2017. Or if I did, they were not like super, um, they didn't weird me out enough for me to remember them until I want to say it was like November of 2017. Um, but I remember the topic or the uh, subject line was LuLaRoe. And the email said, I'll buy all of your LuLaRoe if you'll let me take it off of you. And I was so shocked by this, so taken back because I thought this person is watching me. This person knows what I do. Um, what if it's someone that is, you know, a friend or a family member or somebody that I've done a LuLaRoe party for? Um, I mean, who, who is this person? So I just started getting like super paranoid about every single person I came into contact with. All the people on my social media um, just felt super scared and like I had to look over my shoulder. <clears throat> um, and then in 2018 and 2019, things just started getting more serious. The emails became threatening. Um, they became even more specific. They were like almost blackmailing me for some things that I had done in the past that <clears throat> excuse me, some things that I had done in the past that weren't like terrible, but just things that I wouldn't want everyone to know. I mean, you know, you do really stupid things sometimes whenever you're young and you regret them, but it's not anything, it wasn't anything that was like breaking the law or anything like that, but, um, just saying, I know who you really are, you know? Um, and so <clears throat> I know at one point, excuse me, I'm, I've got like, I don't know, something in my throat. Um, 
at one point I had called the police about it and I think this was in like 2017 or early 2018 because like I said it didn't really start getting very serious in 2018 until 2018 or 2019 I had called the police about it over the phone because I had had no it was it was in 2017 because my son had just been born I had two very young kids they were 16 months apart I was home alone I didn't want to go to the police department with two young children and have to corral them and be totally distracted and not even be able to talk to the officer. So I called them, told them what was going on, asked if there was any way I could file a report over the phone because of my situation with the kids. They said yes, but they basically said that they thought it was just like a scammer or a hacker because, um, you know, it was coming through with like a weird email. It was probably nothing, just blew it off. They said they would file a report and look into it and get back to me. And I never heard anything. Never heard anything back. And in fact, when I went back to the police department the next time to file another report, I was told that there was never a report filed. Um, Years later, they had actually found the original report. So I guess there was a report filed. I don't know if they lost it or what. But either way, it wasn't taken seriously. And... um, So, over time, like I said, 2018, 2019, things got more serious. I started filing um, more police reports um, just over time and told the police that this is not a scammer. This is not a hacker. This is a real person that is watching me. And who knows that they're not watching me through my windows in my house at night or following me around or at my kid's school or at my work. Like, who's to say that they're not? Um, and so eventually, um, after this, this literally took over my life. I mean, I felt like I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. I didn't know who it was. I couldn't trust anybody. I couldn't have any friends. I started blocking everybody on social media. And when I say everyone, I mean, unless you were like my mother or my sister or, um, like, an immediate family member or a friend that I had known for years and years and years and years that I had no doubt in my mind that you would never do this I blocked you and I probably lost a lot of friends but I honestly didn't care um if they were my friends they would have understood what I was going through you know um so I blocked a lot of people just to try to protect myself because I didn't know who I could trust which is a horrible horrible feeling to have to feel like everyone's out to get you because you don't know who it is like it could be anyone and so anyway with that being said um I was trying to figure out who it was and so I was trying to figure out like um a name because the police had told me anytime that I went to file a report that they couldn't do anything unless they had a name because Um, They didn't have the resources or the funding to look into a case like this, which I just roll my eyes now. Um, But I went into my own detective mode and I started doing like the process of elimination where I would block someone and wait to see if I got any more um, emails that hinted that maybe someone, maybe this person was getting this information from like one of my social medias, Facebook in particular. And so I was very strategic about who I would block and who I would leave. And if I still got, like if I blocked one person and then I put out some bait and still got um, like uh, a response on like an email 
with information that was on my Facebook, then um, I obviously hadn't blocked the right person, so I blocked the next person, and so on. And this went on for years. It was a lot. Um, So, since the police wouldn't do anything unless I had a name, I started trying to get the name myself. So, I replied to the email, and at one point in time, um, it was for about a day, maybe even less, maybe a few hours out of one day. I replied and played the game and basically said, why would I want to send you what you're asking me? Because first it was asking if we could hook up. Then over the years it was like, okay, well, we're not going to hook up. Can you send me pictures of yourself and I'll pay you? So I said, why would I want to do what you're asking me to do if I don't even know who you are? And the conversation went on and on and on. He eventually gave me a name, but it was a fake name. And I kind of knew that it was a fake name because number one, He acted like I should have known who he was by his name, and I did not know who he was. I did not have anybody on with that name on my socials, and that's where he was getting a lot of his information to like harass me and scare me with. And so I knew it was a fake name, but the police had said if they could do anything about it, they needed to have a name first. And so I just took the name to police, to the prosecutor, filed the you know paperwork to prosecute this person. And told the police that I don't even know if this is real, but this is the only information that I have. Like, I don't even know if it's the right name, but it's the only information that I have. Is there any way we could work with this? So I filed it with the prosecutor. The prosecutor didn't take me seriously. He told me that this was just a misdemeanor case. And I'm laughing about this now because he wound up having 27 felonies. Ha ha. It's not a misdemeanor case. But he told me this was just a misdemeanor case that the police department doesn't have the funding or the time to work on cases like this. And he just has a big stack of misdemeanor cases that he doesn't even have time for, which is so infuriating because, number one, this was not what he thought it was. This is totally, um, it was one of his own that he was going to be investigating without realizing it. And number two, what if I had died? Like, this is a stalking case. It can escalate very, very quickly. What if I had become, you know, raped or he'd, he'd broken into my house or if he could, had kidnapped me, raped me, and then killed me? Um, I mean, all of these things could have happened. And if someone had just done their job, then, you know, that could have been prevented. This case could have been solved a long time ago. This was like 2018 whenever I filed this prosecuting report or whatever you call it, tried to get this, whoever this was, prosecuted. So, you know, a lot of things could have, things could have changed very, very quickly if someone had just done their job. So, that's very frustrating. Anyways, moving on. So, um, I, like I said, this, whenever I got the name, nothing came of it. I never heard back kept hearing the prosecutor kept telling me he was going to call me back I never heard back um you know we talked once or twice that was it and every time I went in there he was on vacation or he was busy or whatever and what was really frustrating is the fact that I had told police before I had a name um you know about all of this and then they told me once they had a name they could do something about it or they couldn't do anything unless they had a name is how they phrased it but once I had a name nothing was still done still And so that was really frustrating. Um, I was super angry. 
I felt like I was going to have to do all of this myself. I felt completely alone. I felt like I was never going to get away from him. I felt like my life was just always going to feel crazy and scary and like I always had to look over my shoulder. I couldn't ever have any relationships with anyone that I cared about um, because I didn't know who he was. And so my mental health was awful. Um, I just had horrible, horrible anxiety, um, paranoia, and severe depression because I felt like I was in a big, dark, black hole that I could just not ever get out of. And um, it's hard for me to remember the order of things after this. And I don't know if it's because um, of the depression that I was in, like how deep and dark it was, or if it's just because, like I said, all of it is kind of a blur because it's been years. Like this went on for three and a half years, but it's been years since this even happened now. Um, because it takes freaking forever for anyone to be prosecuted and the whole court process is freaking insane. Um, and then COVID and all of that. But basically my mental health suffered and I got to the point where I was planning my suicide and it was just, it was a time in my life that I... I just felt like I was never going to be able to escape. Things were never going to change. So I told my sister how I was feeling and thankfully she made me an appointment with a therapist and honestly that saved my life. I went to a doctor like pretty immediately, like a walk-in clinic and was like, hey, I need like something to calm me because I'm going to commit suicide. Um, Can you give me some sort of medication that I could get on before I see my therapist because I need relief now? And the therapist appointment was like a month or two away for a new patient. So I got on Xanax and I think it was um, Zoloft. And the Xanax was just like as needed whenever I felt like I just couldn't breathe because there was so much anxiety and panic. So I started taking those and the Zoloft was daily. And then I went to the therapist and I went to therapy for about a year. I learned a lot she helped me so much to be able to cope with everything not just the stalking situation but everything my childhood my marriage just just life parenting everything so that was an amazing experience and of course I always tell everyone what she told me is that therapy is like dating you have to kind of like date around to find the right one for you because it's not not every therapist is going to be right for you so luckily I found my the therapist that was right for me. It was just absolutely phenomenal and I always will remember the things that she told me throughout my entire life. I'm so thankful for that time. Um, but anyway, so I started repairing myself mentally but I was still going through the panic and the paranoia and the anxiety of being stalked and threatened. And um, there was an email that came through, I believe it was Christmas of 2018. It might have been 2017 though, I'm not sure. Um, and it was, it was Christmas and the, uh, I want to say the subject line said Merry fucking Christmas. And the whole thing was a, I don't know if it was a fantasy or a threat, but it seemed like a threat to me and it freaked me out. Um, and they, I think it was Christmas Eve. 
he said basically that he wanted to break into my house, tie me up and rape me, like dressed like Santa Claus. And so I, I just froze whenever I read that. My husband read it. We were both taken back. We were both, honestly, it kind of ruined our Christmas. Um, it was not a great experience to say the least. And I want to say after that, I filed another police report and eventually I, like I said, this is really blurry around this time because everything happened so quickly once it started happening, but I can't really remember like what all happened in what order, but, um, this took over my entire life. It really did. And so I, like I said, I was still doing like this, um, deductive reasoning or whatever. I don't even know what you're, I don't even know what somebody called it something. I don't know that that was the name of it, but, um, it was like the process of elimination for, um, trying to figure out who this was based on my socials and the bait that I would put out on people that I would block. So I was still doing that. And it had been like a year or two that I was doing this. And eventually I ran out of people to block and I was still getting emails still felt like I had no leads um and I and I thought you know maybe it's this person or maybe it's this person but it was nobody that I really had a whole lot of suspicion about and wouldn't think that this person would do that and so I was doubtful about um if I was right about those people so I didn't take it seriously Eventually, I had decided that for my own mental health, that I was going to delete the email address altogether um, because I wasn't getting any help with the police. I wasn't getting any help from the prosecutor. So I just completely deleted the email address. And I thought to myself, if if this person, I want to say he, but at that point, I wasn't sure who it was. Um, if this person is serious about what they're saying, if they are as obsessed as it seems like they are, because they've been doing this for years, then unfortunately, hate to say it, but they will find another way to contact me. It wouldn't just be email. Excuse me. And so I keep having a yawn. Anyway, it's like it's six o'clock in the morning. But anyway, um, so I thought, no, I don't want to make this person mad by deleting the email but what other choice do I have this is the next step I feel like so I deleted it so if you don't know when you delete an email address and a person tries to send an email to that email address after it's already been deleted excuse me oh my goodness um that when you send an email there then you get a response saying message undeliverable like this email address does not exist So I sent like a test email to myself and in fact, you know, I did get an email back that said message undeliverable. So I knew that he was getting that response too when he would try to send an email. So this was, yes, this was 2018. Yeah, so the Christmas email was 2017. But this was 2018. Um... No, 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 it was 2019. The Christmas email was 2018. This was 2019 by, by now. I, it was summer of 2019 when I deleted my email. See, this is where it gets foggy. Because like I said, it's been years already. 
you know, so many things happened and I was going through extreme trauma. And so it's hard to remember like the order of things. But so this was 2019. I deleted the email summer of 2019 and for a couple months, nothing happened because there was no way for him to contact me. But he was always in the back of my mind <clears throat> and we had bought a couple of guns. Um, I think it was the year prior. We had bought a couple of guns for self-defense for this reason. And I was still going inside, doing a sweep of the house with my pistol before the kids even came inside. I would literally get out of the car, lock my kids in the car, go do a sweep of the house, check underneath things in the closets and all the rooms. And then I would go let the kids out when I was sure that everything was safe. They weren't allowed to play outside unless their dad was home. Like it, it honestly changed our entire way of life. And so... Um, but for a couple of months, didn't think about the emails coming through, but I still thought, you know, what if he's watching me now? Like things could be elevated because he can be angry that his way of contacting me was gone. So I remember in 2019, um, this was around, it was after Thanksgiving. Um, I think it was like the first like literally the first couple of days in December when I went and checked my P.O. box and I got a letter and I was immediately just like shaking with anxiety and fear because I knew who it was. And so the address, the return address, it was from, um, it says from someone you know and the old address or the return address was an apartment complex that I used to live at like six years prior like before my husband and I even got married before we had kids we lived there together that was our first apartment and I thought who in the world would know that like even my closest relative would not remember that address and I was like what and it looked like a man's handwriting. I mean, obviously they talked about like, you know, their male parts and what they were going to do with them. So I thought it was probably a man anyway, but it looked like a man's handwriting. Um, but I was angry. My first thought was fear, but second thought I was angry because this return address being my old apartment complex, I thought that this was his way of trying to control me and trying to freak me out and and make me feel like he had some sort of hold on me and power over me because he knew this information about me that I didn't know that he knew. So I was angry. But what I did was, first of all, I cried. I broke down and cried because I thought I was going to get away from him. You know, of course, I, I was hoping. I didn't think I was, but I was hoping I was going to get away from him. I already deleted the email address, but I had already told myself, you know, be prepared for some random person to show up at your doorstep or at your kid's school or at your work because if he was that obsessed to do this for so many years and it wasn't just going to stop after I deleted the email so I was I was trying to pre prepare myself but I don't think I was as prepared as I thought I was but um first thing I did was cry and I called my husband literally shaking I was shaking my words were jumbled um freaking out and said I got a letter he was at work and I just said I got a letter and he's like 
um, I think he, I think he asked me a letter and I said from him, I got a letter and he knew who I was talking about immediately and said, go to the police right now. I'm on my way home. And he left work. So, um, before going to the police, I went home, which was a very short drive from the, the post office, went home and made a list and it was, I believe, 11 reasons as to why I think that it's Mark. And when I say Mark, um, when I got this letter, something clicked. When I saw that the return address was from someone you will know, or someone you know, and it was my old return. I can't even talk. I'm so tired. Um whenever the return address was an old apartment complex that I used to live at like six years prior and I had told you like who would know that um my closest relative wouldn't even know that it clicked it has to be someone in the police system that has access to all of this personal information and that's how he was getting some of the things to harass me with some of the information and so I thought it's Mark Holland. I don't want to think it's him, but I know it's him. Like, who else could it be? And, you know, I just started making a list as to the proof that I had and the reasons in my brain that it would make sense. So made that list very quickly. Wrote, like, super fast because I was so sure. Like, well, I was, I was so sure that that's who it was. I didn't really have a doubt, but if I kept telling myself, if it's not him, you know, this is going to suck. You know, if it's not him, I hope it doesn't ruin his career. You know, because I cared about the guy. He was like family to me. This was the brother of the, um, the gas station owner that I had worked at. Um, and I say all of this without realizing now, like, I'm not even explaining who this is while I'm saying his name. Um, but when I worked at that gas station, um, the owners were like family, as I said, um, the gas station that I worked at before we moved from 2014 to 2016, the owners were like family. Um, it was a man and his wife and it was in their family, um, for the gas station was in their family for a couple of years. And so this man and his wife, he had a brother and his name was Mark and he was a police officer. And he was actually a state trooper and he would come in and get coffee like every day and chat with us and his brother and whoever. Very nice guy. Had helped me with a couple of struggles that I had had. Given me advice as a police officer. I viewed him as someone I could trust like family. Because his brother and his wife were like family to me as well as my coworkers. And so whenever my brain said, it's Mark, it's Mark, you know, and it was something that I can't get out, could not get out of my head. I wanted to punch myself because I was like, no, there's like no way that this is him. You know, what if, what if it's not? What if he ruined his career? But something in me just kept saying, it is him. Don't back down. Do not back down. It is him. Who else could it be? This makes perfect sense. So when I went to the police, that's what I told them is that there's no one else. It makes perfect sense. You know, if it just so happened that it wasn't him, you know, I don't want to ruin his career. If, and I hope that this accusation wouldn't ruin his career if it wasn't him. Now, if it is him, 
then obviously I want to press charges. Um, but I need you to do something. I told them I was not leaving until I knew that something was going to be done because I told them about all of the issues that I had had about previous police reports and nothing being done. And luckily, the officer that took my report that day was very, very understanding, very passionate about trying to help me and was upset that nothing had been done before. And so I was like, good, good. But at the same time, I was like, okay, well, he could just be playing me. You know, I didn't trust anybody. I was like, okay, well, let's, let's wait and see if there are any actions. So he, he said he was going to make a couple phone calls. Then I was going to get a phone call and then I was going to get another phone call. And then long story short, I had to talk with a special, special agent with the state police because they took this seriously because I was accusing a state police officer of doing this. And so very, very long story, a lot of details that I won't get into. Um, because there's so much, so much happened between like December 1st and December 19th when he was arrested, but he did, he did admit to doing it and he did get charged. So, um, the story does not end there. The, um, court process, the prosecution process took forever. And of course with COVID, it took even longer than it would have normally. And the story is still ongoing, even today. There are more things going on that have something to do with him that I can't speak about at this moment. But, you know, maybe someday. Of course, though, he is incarcerated. But this situation has effects on me that will be lasting, that I will never forget about. Yes, I am working to try to heal myself. I am sharing my story in hopes that other people that might have gone through something similar or be going through something similar or even just be going through a dark place in their life where they're having suicidal thoughts or creating a suicide plan or just feeling really stuck. I am trying to use this story um, not only to um, share for me for healing, but also to share for other people that might benefit from it. Trying to turn it into something beautiful, even though it was terrible and it was dark and it was, it was a really bad time in my life. I'm trying to make it into something that is beautiful, that could help other people. So if you are one of the people that is local that has not heard this story yet, I hope this gives you some sort of insight as to what happened as far as very brief um, description of the timeline um, and, you know, what actually happened because, like I said, there are a lot of people out there who still don't know um, or they just haven't heard my side and they've only heard his side. And if you've already heard the story a million and seven times, thank you for listening Thank you for always being such a support. Thank you for the people who have purchased my book. Um, I, you know, I wrote the book with intentions of, like, two intentions, like I said. Same, pretty much the same reason why I'm even sharing my story is because, number one, it's so healing and therapeutic to get my story out because I had so many people who were going behind my back and saying that I must have asked for it to get this from him. I must have been a past girlfriend or, you know, like basically victim blaming slash victim shaming. Even though I didn't do anything to deserve this, 
I did not ask for it. I had no romantic relationship with him whatsoever. Um, And I felt like the only way for me to get the truth out, which, you know, was my side, what actually happened and my emotions and how this affected me was to just write something, like write a book that was accessible to everyone. It wasn't just a post on social media. You know, like it was an actual book that was accessible to whoever wanted to go on Amazon, whoever had the Amazon app or internet on their phone at all could access this information. So I wanted to be able to get my side out to be therapeutic for myself and also to help other people who might need need to know that it does get better, that there is a light on the other side at the end of the tunnel, that things do change, even though it may take a lot for things to change and it may take a long time, but things do change. So I hope you got something out of this. Um, if you have, um, if you have some dark thoughts or if you know anyone who has dealt with dark thoughts, suicidal thoughts, a suicidal plan, anxiety, depression, I try to leave, um, links to like, um, certain like articles and online therapy services and things like that in the show notes. So hopefully you can get something out of the show notes. Um, and like I said, um, if you do want the full story that comes with all of the emotions and the tears and the actual, you know, dark thoughts and a more specific timeline to what actually happened and even some of the, um, emails, like the specific emails that came through, then the book would be something that you might be interested in getting. And of course, it's on ebook, which is $0.99, cents, or it's paperback, which is $6.99, both available on Amazon, and I will link the book in the show notes below. If you'll just scroll down, there's a little box with all the links and the information about the show today. Um, but I don't know if I mentioned this already, but I wanted to say, great if you purchase the book, but I, I honestly... I really just want to get my story out there and help as many people as I possibly can because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to feel that way. I know what it's like to feel like there is a hole that you cannot dig yourself out of. No matter how much you try, you cannot get out. And if I could be that person that made someone else realize that there is a way out and that they don't have to commit suicide then so be it. If I could help one person to realize that life is worth living, that is wonderful. So even if no one buys the book, like that's great if someone does, but if not, that's fine. Like I didn't start the book hoping to um, just make money. Like that wasn't my goal. My goal was to number one, get my story out and be therapeutic for me and share the truth and to help other people that might need to know this information or might relate to this information. So I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there because a lot of people automatically think that when someone mentions mentions something like a book or a product where they can make money, that that's their only goal is to make money. And sometimes that is people's only goal, um, but it's, it's not mine. I mean, yeah, that's a plus, but that's not my only goal. So if you've listened this far, thank you so much. Sorry about all the yawning. 
Speaking of yawning, I feel like I'm about to yawn again because I said the word yawn. Are you yawning? (laughs) Because I said the word yawn. Um, But anyway, thank you so much for listening this far. Uh, Sorry about all the yawning. (laughs) Sorry about um, my drinking and my literal, like, crazy brain. But um, I felt like this story needed to be on the podcast because like I said there have been so many people who didn't know like didn't know even though it had come out they still didn't know and also um I feel like I should have already posted this on one of the episodes on the podcast because it's so relevant to me and who I am today and my mission and why I do what I do and um It's a lot easier to understand a person and to relate to a person if you know what they've been through and why they do what they do. Um, So anyway, I feel like I should have already put this on there. I apologize, but I didn't want to make this just about me. This has been about um, giving people a platform to share what they've been through and hoping that other people will relate to it or get something out of it. And then, you know, a couple of episodes I had been solo and just talking about some things that I had been through and giving, you know, some advice or encouragement to other people who had gone through similar things. But I did not want to make this just about me. So that's why I had not included this yet. But I wanted to go ahead and include this, like I said, for many reasons. But thanks so much for listening to me babble. Um, I'll be back next Monday with another episode. I am hoping to have a guest on next Monday's episode. We will see how quickly I can get a recording scheduled and get everything edited. Um, But thanks so much. I will be back next Monday. And as usual, do something nice for yourself today. If you would like to join the mental health community on Facebook, please don't forget to check out the link in the show notes. I would love to have you on there. See you next Monday. Thank you.